sports listeners. I'm your host, Erica Salda, the queen of team. Please tune in every single Tuesday. This whole hour of Santa Barbara Teen Athletes. Woo! And we're talking all athletes. Good morning, Santa Barbara. This is Erica Salda, the queen of teen. I tell you, there's not very many better places on the planet to live than Santa Barbara. And uh, we're very fortunate to uh, host a program, uh, Community Hour, and bringing in the, the latest and the greatest community leaders. Uh, we have one of them today. Uh, I'm going to be introducing him in a minute, but let's go around. We've got Dr. Dugan today. Hey, D. Hello. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, depending upon when you're listening. There you go. Don Sanders. We've got Raya Carpenter, our college coach. We're going to be getting the update here in a minute. And then Christine Marie, our tarot reader. How are you doing, Christine? I'm doing good. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing good. We've got a little hygge coming later. I'm looking forward to that. But let's let's jump right into it. We've had a crazy two weeks. shocking actually to me when i first read the uh news report we don't watch tv here in uh 463 loves Felice, but i do get my news hawk i do do my santa barbara news press with mike in the morning and this news hawk was an excellently written article and i read it and i read it again i posted it on my personal page posted it on facebook and then i reached out to angela miller beva and the reason why i'm so attached to this is because Friday Night Lights has been a part of Team Sports Radio because of Angela Miller Bevan. We were, Team Sports Radio was their sponsor of Jackson's team. And Dominique, you're going to remember the one. So Jackson's team has won two or three games, right? So we got the whole team, all right, in the in the uh, shop on uh, on Santa Barbara Street. And uh, of course, I don't know, I got dogged into making some kind of out- egregious bet. Of uh, if they go undefeated, okay, I am going to take care of the team, the refs, the family, whatever, wherever they wanted to go. Um, I even said, I think we even said the place, right? Yep. So lo and behold, seven, eight weeks goes by, and all of a sudden I get the update. Uh, she's calling me from the game, actually. She's like, okay, we're in the championship game, <laughs> okay? And I'm like, great. And then she sends me a picture of the trophy. And I'm like, oh God! And I'm count. All I'm doing is counting, right? How much is gonna lay? I'm gonna lay out there. And the funny thing is, is this whole season, all she did was doing was complaining about Jackson's shoes. Okay. So anyway, at the end of the day, she comes over, gave her 500 bucks. They all go out to eat, and there was a little leftover. She said like 60 dollars and 80 cents, you know, because she's so awesome, you know, when it comes to honesty. And I go, you know something? You take that money, you go buy your son a new pair of shoes. Okay. <laughs> I'm tired of hearing about the shoots. It was an exciting season. It was an exciting season. And now we're having a problem. We got 700 displaced families not knowing for playing. Okay. Friday night lights football. We have in the house with us right now, the founder, him and his wife founded this. We got 10, uh, Ted, Pollard in the house with us. How are you doing today, Ted? What's going on? Give us the the latest. Well, listen, we're still trying to work with the school district and getting these kids back on that. As you may know, we've been at Santa Barbara Junior High School Field uh, for the last couple seasons. And there's not a lot of options in this town where you have a field that size and that has lights and parking. So uh, it's been challenging to find a solution, but uh, we're still working with the district and we're reaching out to every private and public field in town. Nice. Okay. We also have with us 
Stephanie, which is uh, a, a new, the, our newest co-host, Stephanie Forrest. And uh, thankfully, I mean, and didn't know, you know, you're just talking to somebody. She goes, oh, well, I know, you know, our mayor, Randy, you know, <laughs> OK, you know, you know, you, you'll you just call him by his last name. But she goes, oh, let me give Randy a call. So, Stephanie, what did Randy say? You're allowed to quote him. Randy actually said to quote him. Um, he is actively looking this morning. Um, we explain, I explained to him about we don't want to be, you know, it's not compatible with the theater that they're doing and that we were flexible in possibly changing the time and date. Um, he is exploring options with Park and Recreation, UCSB. Um, <clears throat> I asked him if he could reach out to Maldonado, if he could use his position to talk to her about it. And he said, like, he is reviewing all options today. And I'm wow. going to get back to him a little bit later. If there's any questions I can ask him that you would like me to add on to my next conversation with him today. Oh, I know I would. I would, I, I, I would love, uh, I'm sure everyone knows about this sports complex that been, has been approved and planned for in Santa Maria. Um, they bought some land. They're putting out uh, several football fields with lights and parking. I mean, our goal, not just for Santa Barbara Friday Night Lights, but there's so many youth sports organizations in town that have a challenge finding field space with lights. And uh, listen, when we say lights, that means getting these kids to a safe place on Friday nights and keeping them out of trouble. Right. So we uh, yeah. are looking for ultimately finding a home to to house these kids uh at nighttime for evening games and um so anyway santa maria just is breaking land building there we're, we're hoping that santa barbara has that on the short-term radar that would be okay. spectacular I've also, well, and i've also reiterated to him that <clears throat> this is part of summer just like covid these kids need to be doing something look something to look forward to something to put on their calendar Instead of, you know, having us fall into another crisis of issues that come up when the kids don't really have anything to do. Because this is you what know, can, they're really looking forward to. And the yeah, communities they, are looking forward to this. Some of the emails that parents have shared with me the last couple of years uh, with their kids' mental health and obesity and just overall wellness um it's affected a lot of kids the last couple of years has not been easy and the fact that we can't find a home right now for these 700 kids um is worrisome not just to me but to hundreds of families we, we've got to keep these kids healthy and active and hopefully we'll find a solution and well, Teen Choice Radio is all about kids and teams and flag football. It's it's such a safe sport to be participating in. It's so much fun and it it, it develops. It pro it's probably this. It was the saving grace, I would say, to families through COVID, because let's face it, you created your own little micro hub of your friends because there's no draft. It's like, let's get eight families together that we enjoy and let's let's spend the weekends together. And this is great because this is how I raised both of my kids. I mean, I coached eight years before I had children, but uh, all through my kids' life, I mean, I was their basketball coach from KK to eighth grade, and it was the same families. I mean, right. I have these, you know, memories that I will last many lives because of the 
um, just to see kids grow. I mean, you go from talking about diapers to graduation. <laughs> I'm saying, I mean, sure. it's awesome. So, right. Ted, watch, uh, yes. How can the community help you? Well, we are we're asking for people to uh, reach out to local schools that perhaps have facilities that could accommodate. I should say that it's not 700 kids playing on a field at one time. We only have about 150 kids playing like an hour. So parents are coming the game. Our flag football games at FNL are only about 55 minutes, an hour long. So families are coming, watching their game and then the next shift of families coming. So it's only 250 bodies we're looking to field on Friday nights. Right. And Randy also knows the challenges that happened over COVID because he knows my son. And I lost my son a little over three months ago. So oh, wow. this is this is a um a big issue and we reached out about it when my son passed. So it, it, you know, he he is aware and that's part of this whole issue too. For sure. Well, if somebody had, because we're not about complaining here, we're about, you know, conflict is, is we want to resolve issues, opportunities, this is going to be an opportunity. Yes. So if somebody wanted to give you some ideas of just quick, and I'm sure you're fanning through hundreds of emails a day, because yes. it's, just, it's funny because I, I ran around, I spent like five hours on the phone the first day that this broke. And now yesterday we're getting calls. Did you hear it? So I know it's working. Right. <laughs> so the buzz is here. And uh, we are so we're so appreciative of the, the support. Uh, and, but if people have suggestions or ideas or opportunities, they can email us at Santa FNL at gmail.com. OK, say it one time. Yes, they can. Any ideas, suggestions or comments could come to Santa FNL at gmail.com. And right. FNL and is Friday Night Lights, right? FNL. Yeah. Correct. Right. And we don't, we want love, okay, and understanding. And if anybody has a relationship with um, the superintendent of schools and has an idea, a suggestion for Santa Barbara, an idea, a suggestion to help move this along, because the easiest thing would be to resolve your, your issues that you have, stay where you're at, and give the city an opportunity to build something for everybody. And that takes a little bit of time. But her email is hmaldonado at sbunified.org. And again, it's be nice. Okay. We just, if you have an idea, a suggestion, a resolution, that would be fantastic. Because that's what we're here to do is try to find a place where you won't have a cap. Look at it like this, Ted. We, right. we don't want to. We have ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th. We have four years of high school, which is we really need to focus on giving kids something to do. And right. let's face it, at the end of the day, I mean, this thing could go three, four thousand kids. OK, because when you're trying out for basketball and you're not six foot and there's 60 kids trying out for Dos Pueblos High School, what are those kids going to do? OK, they only take 12. OK, what are, what are the other 48 kids going to do? Right. So let's let, this is a great option. We also have, I've seen new sports come into town, lacrosse. I mean, you could throw beanbags. He's a feel for that, too. OK, I don't know how many frisbees. frisbee football. <laughs> We've got all kinds of things that we could do. We just need a place for these people to play. And then what will happen when these guys get older and they age out, then we could use it for adult league because, you know, these kids, we're living longer. 
We like to do stuff. I mean, I played uh, up in the majors for softball till I was 45 years old, you know, and then I mean, so that you want to have things so you can never not have a sense of community and sports and what you've done. Obviously, it's going to take off. It's going to be great. And we so appreciate you and your efforts and your wife's effort. I can't even imagine what it would be like living with you right now. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But can you imagine? Honestly. We'll get we'll get we'll get through this. And listen, when we are able to launch the adult flag football league, we'll expect teen sports radio to build a team for us. That's it. <laughs> we got that team. Erica okay. is the quarterback. I, I I am I was the quarterback at Westmont. I, I don't know how you did not know that. I mean, that's just great. Okay. Right. And I'm gonna take the ball from Christine Marie. Okay. <laughs> She's six foot. Okay. That's right. Five eleven. Okay, five eleven. Not with your cleats. With your cleats, you'll be six oh, baby. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for for having us on. I really appreciate the support we're getting and uh help sharing our message. We truly appreciate it. Okay, until this is resolved, we want to get updates from you. Okay. And Stephanie, thank you for uh all of your help. But let's do this. We got to go to break. Uh, Ted's got a big meeting. We're gonna all take a break and pray for you for this meeting. All right. Thank you. Thanks so Definitely. much, guys. And this is Santa Barbara Teen Sports Radio Show. I am your host, Erica Salda, the Queen of Teen. Please tune in every single Tuesday, 9 a.m. Welcome back to Teen Sports Radio. I'm Raya Carpenter with Balanced College Planning. So my message today is directed to high school seniors. It's a continuation of the conversation about college essays. Um, We talked about the main essay last time. This time I want to address the supplemental essay questions. So the main essay, that's going to give the reader of college applications a glimpse into your personality, your values, your interests, your background. You have a lot of freedom in what you can write about there. One thing you wouldn't want to do, though, is personalize your main essay. So you wouldn't want to say, you know, dear Duke, you're my favorite college. You know, you wouldn't do that, right? Because the other colleges would see that and that would be no bueno. The supplemental essay, however, is absolutely where you want to personalize what you write. So a lot of college counselors will say that the supplemental essay is actually even more important than the main essay because it helps them determine if you'd be a good fit for their community and their academic program. So in a second, I'm going to give you actually a couple examples of what these questions look like. Um, You can find these in the Common App. And that's the colleges that use these supplemental essays. They're mostly private schools. So commonapp.org is where you go. And so here are some examples. Out of thousands of universities and colleges, what excites you about attending Chapman University specifically? Right. So you need to know a lot about Chapman University in order to answer that, you know, well, a different college says, we believe that everybody has something to contribute and receive from a diverse community. 
why is belonging to a diverse and inclusive college community important to you? Again, takes a lot of thought to figure out what you want to put forward in that essay. And then the last example I'll give you from University of Pennsylvania. At Penn, learning and growing happen outside of the classroom too. How will you explore the community at Penn? Consider how this community will help shape your perspective and identity and how your identity and perspective will help shape our community. So, so this takes a lot of time. As I said before, the bottom line is that I recommend that seniors are spending time on this in the summer right now. Don't actually, I said, you know, start August 1 is actually when I would recommend because that's when these supplemental questions are official. So take, take a look at that. And again, I've told you this before, if you're looking for free essay writing tips, I suggest the Johns Hopkins um, Essays That Worked blog. And also the College Essay Guy has lots of free resources. You can just Google his name. That's it for me. That is so awesome. And my first hit was those suggestions of essays that you gave out. I, in my heart, I'm like, oh my God, if, if I were a college administrator and I'm reading this, you would now become charming to me. You would be a, a charming student and I would want to kind of watch your application. You just endeared yourself to me because you love my college. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, so that was my first thought. My second is, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. The second question is the main essay. Do the students write the main essay as though that main essay is going to multiple colleges? That's precisely how it is handled. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and you know, I've had students who haven't been admitted to like a dream school. And I've been in the position where I can, you know, call up the college and say, hey, just looking for a little feedback, what happened on this student. And I've had the college on multiple occasions say, you know, the why us essay was really weak. And that comes as an afterthought. Um, I think students don't expect that they're going to have to answer that question. They don't take it very seriously. And that literally could end up being the make or break scenario for an applicant. Hey, Rye, I have a question. And um, I don't know how this pertains to like the UC schools or the uh, Ivy schools, but um, if you said my granddaddy and my daddy went to school, right? Yeah. Um, is that, does that give you any uh, points? Because I, I know like maybe three families, um, actually it was Notre Dame, all three families, because that's always been, I had Notre Dame wallpaper in John's room, you know, his whole life. Um, didn't end up going there. Went to Holy Names, not Notre Dames. It's, it rhymed. I knew there was going to be something. Um, but I know three families, it didn't matter. I mean, not that it like, they, and the grades were good. And I mean, it's, it, I mean, they didn't get a perfect grade on the SAT like their parent did. <laughs> but um, so what's the answer to that? Yeah, so legacy can make a difference, but oftentimes it's not the thing that makes a difference. So um, sure, it can add some value to your application, but if you don't have, if you're not com otherwise competitive, um, it's going to be difficult to gain entrance. Right. Um, you know, and the other thing is, if you're talking about writing in your essay about the legacy family member, that's not going to serve you well because the essay is supposed to be about you. They're not admitting your grandfather to the school, right? So, so we want to know what your person, you know, what your personality is like, what you're going to be like as a roommate, 
where you're going to be like a student in my class. Interesting. Okay, great. Well, as always, thank you. Stick around if you can. We've got a lot. We've got a great interview coming right up after these messages. Teen Sports Radio Show. I am your host, Erica Salt of the Queen of Teen. Please tune in every single Tuesday at 9 a.m. Hi, I'm Stephanie Forrester. Hi, my goal is to be a community activist here. And I am so pleased to introduce uh, Rafa Vasquez. And he is um, a family friend. And he wants to share his story about his struggles and his losses through our fentanyl crisis. And he also wants to talk about his accomplishments. So I will shift this off to you, Rafa. Hey, thank you so much, Stephanie. I really appreciate it. You guys having me. This is a great show. Um, you know, this is a really important topic to get on in the, sub in the uh, community. <laughs> Actually, sorry, a little flustered. This is my first time on the radio. But I wanted to say thank you so much. This is a fantastic show. The program of Friday Night Lights has been a huge part of my life, actually, being a student athlete myself throughout high school. I realized, you know, the importance of having an active hobby and having something that actually drives your life forward in a positive way. Um, this is where my story comes. Uh, right now, I'm in Ventura Recovery Center. I'm 21 years old. I'm a student at Santa Barbara City College, and I have 102 days sober today. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, so if I was to start off my story, one thing that I would love to say is that I've always been a learn the hard way type of person, you know, all the way throughout my life, always had issues with authority, had issues with school, had issues pertaining to my own self-confidence when it comes to the classroom, when it comes to actual learning. I've always been super enthusiastic about academics. I think that it's a fantastic way for people to broaden their horizons and become, you know, set goals for themselves to become what they truly want to become. Um, I was a varsity athlete at Santa Barbara High School. I played varsity football for three years. I played varsity lacrosse for three years. So I know that space well. Fantastic programs at both of the schools. Um, so with that being said, I was very much into the social scene. I had a lot of quote unquote friends that I trusted, people that I led into my life. I was always at the biggest parties. I was always, you know, trying to impress people because I felt so little of myself on the inside. I was a major people pleaser. Um, throughout the years, I find myself asking the question of how did I get to this point? When did it become an issue that I realized that I needed help with an addiction? Because I had never seen myself as a drug addict. I'd never seen myself as someone who actually, you know, had something that I could contribute to society. But also I knew that the amounts of smiles that I could give people from the ways that I acted and the things that I did for other people. So this leads into my college life. Um, my freshman year of college was this, uh, what was it? The fall of 2019. Um, going into spring of 2020, I was in a studio apartment. I had been set up there by my grandmother and my mom because uh, my mom had to move out of Santa Barbara because of financial issues. We had had a whole 
slew of things happened to us within that year. Um, I had been hoping to go to college for football. I had been talking to a couple schools, but I had to end up going to homeschool because of the situation. So from the get-go, my mental state wasn't the most stable. I was very much um, lost. I had no specific goal in my life that I wished to achieve. I was kind of placed in this situation and I was kind of told, here you go, fend for yourself. Hmm. So it was at this point that the partying really took off. I turned into a person that, you know, I didn't go to school, but I said that I was in school because that's what everyone would have expected of me was for me to have been in school. I turned into the person that didn't care about himself. He had no self-respect. Um, I would do anything to make people happy, anything to make people laugh. And I felt like I had found a zone where I could succeed in that sense. Um, being in City College, I was at Beach City, which is right in between the college campuses. I had my own apartment in there. There was a lot of kids from out of town who had never been to Santa Barbara before. And, you know, Santa Barbara is one of the most beautiful places on earth. It's heaven on earth. So everyone there was in such high spirits. Everyone wanted to have the best time possible. And I was in the zone where I was so sad and I didn't know how to, I didn't have the tools to cope with these emotions that I was feeling. So I, felt at home. I felt at home. I was escaping from my true self. I was escaping from the things that I held close to myself, my values, my morals. And slowly, this journey began for me. So in March of 2020, when COVID-19 hit and the whole world was at a standstill, I was in this apartment and all of the people that I had learned, you know, learned to love, grown so close to me, left. And they, because most of these students were from out of town. Um, so I was left to my own devices in the studio apartment. I had no will to go to school, even if it was online, you know, I mean, if it was in person, I would show up every once in a while, kind of because I enjoy social aspects. I enjoy going out, seeing people, experiencing, you know, the views Santa Barbara City College has to offer. It's a gorgeous campus. Um, but I was all by myself. And at this point, I had all these emotions. I had all these regrets. I had all these things that I had kind of pushed myself to when seeking outside validation and seeking these outside things to fill up this hole that I had inside of myself. And if you guys don't know, that's not a healthy way to deal with things. When you bottle everything up and you just kind of run away from your problems, it never ends up working out the best way. So <laughs> when COVID hit, most of the kids were gone and any sensible person was quarantining and people were isolating themselves and they were making sure that them and their families were protected, that they were in the safest position possible to actually see the future, you know, because it was so unknown at that point. And so I coming from my high school experience and all of the social circles that I had revolved around, um, I had known kids that, you know, they, they did drugs, they were street kids, they were, you know, people that obviously would not be the most desirable to someone who has goals in their lives and wants to actually push themselves forward in the social, you know, the social arena of life. Um, and I kind of, at that point, I hadn't truly grasped that I had totally sold out and I had, you know, I had given up on myself and I had no drive to do anything because I didn't see a future for myself. Um, and it was at this point that I started hanging out with these kids. They would come over to my house. They would, you know, they'd be doing drugs in my house. And I had never seen myself as a drug addict. I had never been someone who had experienced drugs at that level. But since I was so alone, and they had so much, it turned into, 
you know, a drug party at my studio apartment. It was me and these kids who had nowhere to go that would come over to my house and we would do drugs together. And it was at this point that I was introduced to fentanyl. So the way that this started was they would come over and they would always have these little squares of tinfoil. They would have little squares of tinfoil that they put these little blue pills onto and they would smoke them. I had no clue what it was. I, ha I say that I was totally sold out, but I still had been raised in a nice family. I grew up in Big Sur. I, you know, I was raised on a cattle ranch. I had been raised around a family who was very tight knit and held morals and had some standards for themselves. And at this point, I had kind of relieved myself of the burden of, you know, carrying on my family's heritage. So when it came down to it, I would see them do this, this fentanyl on these, on these uh, squares of tinfoil and I would watch them and I would cry and I would wonder what the fuck I've become. Like, why are you guys doing this? And I would tell them, please don't do this in my house. It smells bad. It's not good. I don't like it. I really don't. And I would start crying because for me as a person, I've, I've always been an optimist. No matter how much hope I lost for myself, I always tried to see the best in other people. And I tried to see you know, the things that society would label as red flags. I would try to look past those because I had been so opposed to the social stigma of, you know, hatred, jealousy, envy, all these things. You know, I, I very much loved people. I've always loved people and I've liked to help people. So it was at this point that it was probably about a month and a half into COVID. And, you know, I had experienced them doing this for that amount of time at my apartment and I was like, okay, well, if they love it so much and they won't stop no matter what, I mean, maybe I should try it. Maybe it's good. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I learned things the hard way, like I had said earlier. So I, <laughs> I let them give me a little hit of one. And instantly I felt this, this rush down my body. I felt relief, total relief from everything that I had ever felt in my life, all of this self-hatred, all of this self-judgment, this you're not good enough, all of these things, they seemed to disappear when I took a hit of that foil. And from that point on, I was hooked. I didn't realize the course that this would take me down, but I was also didn't see a future for myself that didn't involve what was happening in the present. And since my drug addiction was my present situation, that was everything for me. So flash forward a couple months during COVID and I had moved apartments into a house right off of, um, it was on Mira Cannon. It was right off of Miramonte. Uh, it was a nice house with a nice family. I was renting a room from them because I, you know, I, I was done with the social aspect. COVID had hit. And it was at this point that I had had people over every single day, every single day, no matter what, doing drugs. And they had noticed this constant revolving door of people coming in and out of my house. So I ended up being kicked out of that house. It was due to drug use because they could smell the perk thirties through the door in the house. And they had dogs, they had cats, they had, you know, they were a very nice family. I think that the guy that I was living with was the CEO of. <laughs> so, you know, a very prominent family, people that, you know, they held themselves very highly. They, they didn't, you know, and they saw something in me to allow me to even live there. It was a privilege for me to live there. And I abused that trust. And I, you know, and I, I took advantage of the situation and their kindness. So um, it was at this point that I, the day I was moving out of my house, I was walking 
to my friend's car to load up the car because I had asked my best friend, Jasper, who had had recently cut me off because of this addiction. And he had seen the course that it was taking me down. And um, he always loved me. He always had love for me. And he said that I could stay at his house, but he wanted me to get sober. And I was like, okay, I'll do anything. Like, I'll do it. I'm okay. Like, let's do it. So I go and I'm putting my stuff in the car and we get in the car and we're on the freeway headed out to Isla Vista where he lived. And I get a phone call from his mom and she says, um, Jasper and my best friend Enzo had been both murdered by a 15 year old kid for a pound of weed. So that was off the board. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't go and live with him. I had nowhere to go. My mom had moved out of Santa Barbara because she was in this situation where she couldn't come back because our landlord that we had lived with had threatened to kill her. And it was a very toxic situation. So I became homeless for about a month. Um, during that time, I ended up spending a lot more time with those children that I or those kids that I had met, that I had mentioned before that I, you know, I led into my life because they had nowhere to go. Well, now I became one of them. I had nowhere to go. So falling into that lifestyle and seeing the social layers that it took me down, I went from, you know, being decently respected, being someone who had, you know, I didn't always have the best grades. I wasn't always the best at sports. I wasn't always the best at anything in my life, but I was the best at doing drugs and I was the best at making people happy. And I had a lot of people in my life that really trusted me and enjoyed my presence because of the things that I could provide for them, you know, and money isn't everything. It, I could provide the things that money couldn't buy and that's happiness. So, so this is all happening in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So when you were at uh, Santa Barbara high school, did, was there a, a layer of those, those kids that came from Santa Barbara high school, but you just did, you weren't attracted to it then or you couldn't get any drugs at Santa Barbara high school then, or how, how was it completely, your high completely. school scene? Yeah. So the high school scene at Santa Barbara high school, or <laughs> the, the drug scene at Santa Barbara high school was very prevalent actually. So one of the things that I noticed moving here to Santa Barbara is that there was so much more drugs and so much more um, debauchery that went on in this town during high school that I had never experienced in my life before. And that's one of the reasons I was so drawn to it. Um, I was in the Mad Academy at Santa Barbara High for four years, three and a half, actually, counting the last semester I had to leave. But um, there was a lot of drugs and it was kind of the cool thing to do was for people to do drugs. And the people that their families lived in Montecito and they had all this money and they were these kids that had, oh, they had the nicest trucks. They had the nicest cars. They you know, had all this money to blow on the nicest bongs, all these things um, coming from a single parent household where I didn't have the ability to kind of you know, I didn't have the ability to get these things for myself. Obviously, I'm going to go and hang out with the kids that do have this stuff. Right. So um, no, we're going to what we have to do is we have to take a little break. But I know we all have questions here for you. So let's take a little break. This is Erica Salda, the Queen of Teen. We'll be back with more after these messages.
Teen Sports Radio Show. I am your host, Erica Salda, the Queen of Teen. Please tune in every single Tuesday at 9 a.m. Welcome back to Teen Sports Radio. This is Don Sanders, Don's Massage in Ojai.com. And, and we've been speaking today about uh, uh, a very a very topical issue about what happens to kids after school time. Do you know what happens in all our communities? As I listened to our guest today speak, I was reminded of uh, problems that have have uh, have beset my older son, who you know uh, was living with my ex-wife in Camarillo and would just disappear, you know, on his bike at night, three a.m. and and uh, I was just in a community meeting in Ojai talking about problems in the school right now and about how some people are parents are using uh, the schools actually are using some locator programs that go on on the phones and so forth because the phones are ever present and there have been efforts even amongst some of the administration in the school district sometimes to locate and talk to these kids in the middle of the night and uh, part of what they've been teaching and training is is not to judge and and to you know really kind of drop the sort of the stereotypical roles of parent and child and just try and relate to the to the children because we all went to school we all think we know what it was like but it's so obvious so many different examples now of how this is not this this is not the environment that most of us remember growing up in school so I don't know if there's anything that would have helped uh, in your case, you know, and uh, during the night, uh, what anybody could have done or what you think is a good way to um, to bridge some of this, to be able to reconnect uh, kids and parents and other people that are willing to help family, friends and things in a new way that might be able to address some of these problems. So you didn't think that you had uh, Raf, you, you didn't think that. Uh Rafa, sorry. I don't want to, only your friends say Raf. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> All right. You look more of a Raf to me. Anyway. Okay. It's very French. Um, you didn't, you did not have the resources to, but then again, you weren't acknowledging that you had a problem. So you were kind of, you know, split, right? Yes. Yes. Totally. So I can't, you can't really say, oh, you didn't get any help. But then at the time you weren't ready to get help. Yeah, no, I definitely hadn't reached that point where I of the, of the desperation and the complete surrender to where I realized that, you know, what my life had become. Um, it wasn't until, you know, right now I'm at 100 days. It was probably four months ago at this point that, you know, I, I supplemented I supplemented the fentanyl use. I've, I've been 10 months sober off of fentanyl. But I supplemented the fentanyl use for cocaine and I turned into isolating in my room and doing cocaine every day with one of my friends who's, you know, who is very, uh, very generous to me. And he was, you know, one of the best people I've ever met in my life. Um, he really cared about me. He would scream and cry at me and tell me I'm addicted and all these things. And throughout the course of the, these few months I've been talking about, I've lost around 10 friends, um, 10 really close people to me, actually. Um, one of the ones that weighs on me heavy is my friend who had, he had never really been a drugger. <laughs> he was going to uh, Irvine. He was, you know, very prominent student. Um, but I tried to kill myself four months ago because I'd seen what I'd become. I seen the impact that I'd had of my friends, my family, all these people that I had lost. I saw no hope for my future. I saw nothing because, you know, 
when you're losing all of your friends, you know, the people that you go and confide in when you don't feel like you can go talk to your family about these things, it really creates that, that mental isolation. And it reached that point of desperation where I was like, you know what, I'm not benefiting anyone. I'm not benefiting society. I'm not pushing myself forward the way that my family believes I can. So what's the point of me being here wasting all of these resources? And let's get, let's very well said, let's get to Raya. Raya, you had, you had an offering. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to take uh, much of your time because uh, what you're saying is just so important, but, but um, I just want to say to you, Rafa, you know, looking at you, you are filled with light. You uh, have this ability to connect with people. I think you already know that. And the fact that you are being so open and honest and frank in it so soon into your recovery, um, you're going to, you're going to affect so many people. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much. That's so nice. Um, well, I could tell you one thing. You are definitely going to affect a lot of people because you have a stage or a floor or a piece of Santa Barbara teen sports as long as you need it. If it would help you to tell your story, I would love to offer the platform. I mean, thank you very much, Stephanie, because that's what we want to do. We want to get teens and kids out here uh, kind of like a mentorship program. We could start it today. We, you know? we need to be talking about this. Right. Right. Can't we can't we can't we got to talk about the elephant in the room? No, that's what we got to yeah. do. This is Erica Salda. We got a lot more after these messages. Barbara Teen Sports Radio Show. I am your host, Erica Salt of the Queen of Teen. Please tune in every single Tuesday at 9 a.m. Welcome back to Teen Sports Radio. This is Christine Marie um, with A View from the Deck. And we've been listening to Rafa Vargas um, and his story of um, addiction and finding his way out. Thank you so much, Rafa, for what you share, shared so far. And I feel like we need more discussions with you. Um, what I'm, the thing that I'm thinking about is how, um, is, is my understanding that the wound is the doorway to the gift, is that that thing that is the most difficult, you know, that, that we would think is a challenge is actually that way through which we can bring what we have to the world. And, and I see that in your story, especially as you were talking about really wanting to connect with people and loving people and wanting to bring joy to people and losing yourself in that. And, and it's such a beautiful aspect of knowing that in a way now you've really found yourself in that. And there's a new part of you that's coming out to share something, um, to share that light as Raya, as Raya um, noticed and we can all see. Alex Ramirez is also in the house. He has a lot of experience with kids. Uh, Alex, what, what say you? Uh, hi, Rafa. I'm just caught, catching the tail end of your story. Um, thank you for sharing. Uh, and, you know, I went through that as well with alcohol. Um, I went through AA. I, I had a, a relapse, you know, 
last year on my ten year anniversary. So, and then you know, you just get back on it. You know, you just get. I mean, that's all you can do. What, like they tell you, one day at a time. Uh, you wake up sober. You try to stay sober. That's you know, that's all you can do. And bravo to you. I mean, I don't have a question other than just hey, bravo to you. Keep trucking. You're you're in the right place. You're in the right environment. You have a good head on your shoulders. Just stay with it, man. Because uh, don't give up. You have a lot of life to live. Yeah, I can tell. You got a lot to give. So stay stay with it. Stay true to yourself. I wanted okay, to ask last, if we have time. Um, if Rafa, what was the? Where was it? The place? I don't know if we have, if we have time, but maybe next time. Where was the place that you found your way out? That you that you that you got to that bottom. So when it reached that point where I had totally given up on myself, I, my mother had actually been noticing, obviously, throughout all this time. And I tried to be completely transparent with her. But also, I'm a very stubborn person. Um, I don't, you know, I like to do things myself. I like to get stuff done for myself. I've always been that, that type of person. But um, so she looked up online a recovery center because she saw the path that I was going down. And I'm out here at Ventura Recovery Center in Thousand Oaks. Um, it's a fantastic environment for me to be able to, you know, really see the effects and the similarities that I have with other addicts and hear their stories. Um, working the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Rafa, what we've got to do. Nice. No, no, you're good. We, we, we've got to, I'd like to bring you back again next week. Because, we want to hear about okay. right. the center because the right. kids, people need to go. know what's available right and then angela miller bevin maybe next year she'll join us she's got a lot to add but this is erica salda we ran out of time god bless, god bless. one day at a time god bless one day at a time folks we'll hope see you next still week. there hope is available hope is for still you there. oh yeah thanks Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow.